This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a platform that empowers restaurants to own their presence, profit, and relationships. Bento Box puts the restaurant first and creates an online experience that brings people to restaurants. Learn more at getbento.com slash opening soon. This is Jenny Goodman. And I'm Alex McCreary. And we are the hosts of Opening Soon on Heritage Radio Network. We listen to HRN and are actually guests on several shows before bringing our own show to this network. And it's been so amazing to see and hear the unparalleled content that comes from our community, even with limited financial resources. HRN's been making food radio for 10 years. HRN staff and hosts make it look really easy, but making the best food radio out there is actually really hard work. We're super excited to be a part of Heritage Radio Network, and we invite you to join us in making sure that in our second decade, HRN is stronger than ever. So become a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate right now. You can even show your support by selecting opening soon in the designation drop-down menu. Thanks for listening to HRN. Hi, and welcome to Opening Soon on Heritage Radio Network. We are your hosts. I'm Jenny Goodman. And I'm Alex McCreary. And if you're just tuning in to our first season, we are on episode number 11. And Opening Soon is a weekly show all about the business of opening restaurants. We are walking you through the steps with some of the industry's greatest leaders, chefs, restaurateurs, writers, and the people who will help take your business from an idea to opening soon. Yep, and if you don't know who we are yet, then we are failed restaurateurs, <laughs> uh, but we're fairly successful at making work clothes. Uh, and through doing our business till NYC, we've been able to see lots of people open restaurants and kind of see the trials and tribulations that they have gone through in getting open and thought it was really important to be able to share some of those stories um, and then obviously have great people in the studio to kind of talk about how they could do things better so that when you go out there to do your project, you're all set and ready to go. Um, so today with us, we have Sue Chan of Care of Chan, and we have Jordana Rothman of Food and Wine Magazine. Welcome, guys. Um, before we dive into our conversation with them, we're going to do a quick wrap-up of our conversation last week that we had with Jordan Salcido and Ariel Arce talking about beverage programs. Um, and so we had five good uh, key takeaways. Number one was um, if you're planning on having a great beverage program, to make sure and hire or... <laughs> partner with someone who's going to lead and direct that and build that program. I think a lot of times people look to a consultant or think that they might do without it. Um, and they, they've both felt that it was very important that you hire a partner with that person. Yeah. They really talked about like creating a culture around beverage, just as much around food, if that was really part of your business model, which was interesting. Um, the next key takeaway was consider making beverages more accessible, either through like price or imagery. So Jordan talked about when she was building the list at Mama Fuku Ma Pesh, she put like imagery on the wine list so that it Japanese, like Japanese imagery from a wine comic book essentially so that people felt, Sue's laughing because she used to work at <laughs> Mama Fuku too, um, so that people felt like, oh, I get what that is without having to like be a wine nerd, which was cool. Yeah. Number three was um, when you're doing the pricing balance on your wine list to, to think outside the box a little bit. I think sometimes we you know, get set that there's a certain margin that everything gets marked up. Um, but Jordan was talking about how you know, some of your staples that you know people will buy, you can charge a little bit more for. And then you can discount some of the other creative fun things so that you can kind of really build a, a culture of experimentation in your restaurant. Yeah. And then the next one was about um, making 
price, sorry, the next one was about the beverage list making sense for time and place. So um, essentially like at Noodle Bar, people sit for 45 minutes. So like they have what they call the Biggie Smalls, which is they either have Magnums or, you know, a half bottle so that people aren't pressured to consume an entire bottle of wine in 45 minutes, which makes sense. Right. And then the last one was um, training and education. And I think no matter what you do up to this point, if you haven't, if you're not investing in training and teaching your team um, all about the beverage program that you've created and, the, and, and enhancing that culture, um, then it's all kind of for naught. So make sure you spend some time to train. Um, but that was last week. On to this week, we're talking about uh, communicating your brand so that you can gain traction in the media, uh, which will drive awareness and obviously attract customers and grow revenue. So we have some experts with us today. We're very excited to have you both. We have Sue Chan, who's the founder and CEO of Care of Chan. They are a food culture agency that specializes in brand management, talent representation, event production, and communications for the hospitality industry. Um, and prior to launching Care of Chan, Sue was at Mamafuku helping with brand strategy and building that brand with with Dave and the team there. And we also have Jordana Rothman, who is a seasoned writer and editor who focuses on American restaurant culture and the commitment to empowering marginalized voices in the food space. Um, she's also the restaurant editor at large at Food & Wine Magazine, where she spends half the year and 30,000 plus miles, she's shaking her head, yes, um, traveling to scout some of the freshest talent for all of us. Um, and yeah, she also has a book called Tacos and Provocations that is a James Beard award winning nominated book with Alex Stupak that she co-wrote so we have some experts anyways let's move on to some interview so we'll start let's start with you Sue tell us a little bit about like your experience at Mamo and building that brand and you know how you I like to say you look at things sort of holistically and not just from like a how do we communicate outwardly perspective so yeah, I mean, it was seven years, so there were definitely lots of lessons learned. But first off, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks Love for being show. here. Um, uh, gosh, what did I learn? I mean, I think that the big thing that happened in the last decade in food is that we very much went through this new food revolution where um, a lot of new voices came up onto the scene that really made food super accessible, more so than it ever had been before. Um, and Dave was definitely like a huge leader in that. And I think that that accessibility kind of broke down barriers um, between the food industry and the rest of culture. Um, so now, you know, food could interact with people in film, people in art, people in music. Um, and then that also opened up uh, all sorts of different opportunities, which I think is a lot of what we'll talk about today, which is that um, it's not just about press hits anymore that really help drive customers into your restaurant. It's about um, communicating your brand on all sorts of levels. And I think when you do that, you also then uh, probably do things for people like Jordana to take notice on what it is that you're doing. But um, but yeah, I, I think so. In summary, <laughs> the two major things that kind of happened and that I learned through my past experience is that... Um, we were talking about this earlier, but you really need an omni-channel approach to building your brand. Um, and that also, it's really important to understanding how food and your brand and your voice and your point of view interacts with other segments of culture, not just fit within food. What do you think has changed for like diners that has made that possible? Change for diners? Well, I think that... Or people's like willingness to accept like a different way to be... Yeah, and how they find places. Right. right. And, oh, gosh. I mean, I think you'd be surprised how people find new restaurants. Um, 
the New York Times um, and, you know, getting reviewed, um, being on Food and Wine's Best New Chef list, like those are still definitely um, help tremendously for a restaurant and really help move the meter. Um, Smaller publications, maybe not so much, um, but people are getting their information all sorts of different ways, right? Even friends that you follow who may or may not be influencers, um, you know, you might trust their opinion more so than... um, a media publication. Um, so yeah, so there's all sorts of different ways I think that people get their information now and it's, um, up to, uh, a restaurateur to really understand where your, how your market kind of gets their information. Answer your question. Yeah. Do you guys, but do you both feel like chefs and restaurateurs are like hip to that? Is it, or are they like still feel like they have to follow this model of like, I'm going to get a PR agency and they're going to pitch me out or are people like coming to you for instance directly Jordana and like like, check this out blah 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 yeah I mean I think that there are many ways to skin a cat so to speak and I think that you know we just like happen to be sitting with Sue who is a great example of someone who I think you know has really adapted and evolved with the sort of shifting models of how people are looking to you know, reach an audience, but also how to, um, like sort of communicate who they are. And I think what you said earlier about sort of intersecting with the larger culture is so right. I mean, you know, sort of fashion and music and art and all of these spaces, um, help to create a sort of vision of what matters to a business. Um, and sort of baked into that and the sort of implicit reality there is that like restaurants and chefs have an intimacy with, the public that they maybe didn't have before. And part of that is sort of, you know, the fact that they can control their own, their own narratives using social media and so forth. But, um, also that they, they sort of get to twist the dials behind the scenes a little bit with choosing these collaborations and, and sort of deciding what kind of story they want to tell. Um, yeah. Did that answer the question? I don't really remember the question. <laughs> you like black out. When you're it's okay. I was really interesting. I was like so into what you were saying. I'm like sitting here nodding my head, going, "Yeah." yeah. I guess. I mean, I guess I you were you were too. sort of asking me if it's sort of like, do, is it? Do people feel pressure to follow wow. the traditional yeah. model? And I think like it's a. I think the most successful places take a little bit of a combination approach. You know, I think that yeah. the sort of idea of being passive as an operator or a chef and saying like, okay, I'm. I'm going to do this kind of food and I'm like leaving this all in your hands, you know, Suchan or whatever. (laughs) And, you know, it being this responsibility of an agency to craft that, um, is really, you know, sort of passe. And I think that, um, you having this expertise of a, of a PR agency and sort of, you know, looking to some of the more traditional modalities of storytelling, um, as something to like aspire towards or whatever I think is powerful, but, that alone is not the way that success functions right now, I think, in our space. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, that's sort of what we talked about is like having the, the, the borrow a term from retail omni-channel means you like communicate to your customer through multiple touch points, which is essentially what, you know, you guys mm-hmm. are both saying. Yeah. I, totally right, agree. I just learned yeah. the word omni-channel. Thank you to my NBA. I also want to stress, though, that like it's not the same not the, the same formula isn't going to work for everyone. And I think that's true too. now that social media is so important. Every chef is like, Oh God, I got to figure out social media. But it's like, if you're not good at social media, it's okay. Like figure out what you're good at and really lean into that. Um, cause 
there have been people who, past clients that we have worked with who we shall not name, but um, who were really good at getting press on them because the media loves them and they're really good at social media and they're really good at being that influencer. But you know what? No one went to the restaurant and because at the end of the day, the product just wasn't good and it wasn't um, what the market wanted and it wasn't interesting or, or whatever. It just wasn't good. And so it wasn't um, really landing with customers. So... And then there are the restaurants like the Keith McNally restaurant group is a perfect example. They don't do that shit at all. Or even the Carbone group, they don't even have yeah, a single social media so channel, yet their restaurants are jam-packed and they don't care to ever do that. So Why is that, you think? Why are I they think they're just because... good at building. I, I think that there's... They have all, the at the end, of the, day, at the end yeah. of the day, you need to be a good operator. Yeah. Secondly, you need to have a good product. Those are the two things that you should yeah. focus on right. as a restaurateur. First, being a good business operator. Second, having a good product. But those are those are kind of the anomaly, right? That's not you can't just like mimic what Carbone is doing. Well, there's a. If, I just want to jump in because I do think that there are some. I mean, I think Major Food Group and McNally obviously are like those are. I mean, Major Food Group is newer, but those are sort of legacy brands in yeah. some ways in food, and so they benefit from longevity and you know from also really understanding. In the case of McNally restaurants, like neighborhood neighborhood um, right. clientele yeah. and sort of and brands brand. understanding yeah. sort of like what the market needs where yeah. you can push it where you can you know and really really knowing itself you know those are you know the fact that um like Frenchette is the sensation that it is is sort of and the you know Riyadh and, and Lee are like in some ways it feels like their first thing even though they've been working, working in, in 40 years for so yeah. so long because you know I think there was an understanding there that you know they that, that Mineta Tavern for example wasn't like a chef driven restaurant it was it really understood its role in the, in the community and really um attached itself to that and and what and had sort of boundaries around that and then but I do think there are some newer examples that sort of speak to what you're saying, which is they, they know themselves very well. And I think, you know, I think about King also in the West Village, which I remember the first time I went there, I tried to like take a picture of the food and everything was so ugly. I mean, the food is so gorgeous <laughs> with the, yeah. to my eye, but yeah. when I tried to take a photo of it, it was like ugly as sin. And like, then, this is and not then, Instagram porn. Food. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then I was like, I was like, ladies, like I got to feed the beast. Like what, <laughs> what is going on here? And they put, they told me at the time, I don't know if this is still true, but they put these like yellow gels on the lights. To, so you couldn't take pictures? to create sort of this yellow the soft light oh, that okay. makes like a soft light right no, it's like it makes it hard to take an attractive photo oh, of the really? food because they did that intentionally intentionally to the... sort of get people to you put know put your phone down put your phone down yeah. and i think that and you know and you know now they're open for lunch so like natural light i mean come on but <laughs> but you know it's a it's that's an example of a place where they were like that's not who we are yeah. and we don't want to try and play that game and so we actually want to discourage people from casting us in that light because it doesn't work for us that's not in line with what we're trying to offer the it's, city you know what i'm th and now i'm like thinking about king and the images i see is like you know their corner like their like really interesting facade and corner and it's like i don't really remember a ton of food pics, right. and now we know why <laughs> but I their food it. is terribly beautiful so you should go look at it, it with yeah, the naked eye and, and enjoy it yes it's not the point <laughs> cool i mean i think the interesting thing is that you know uh, telling your story and you know we talk about that you know and when we built our brand i think to the to the consumer understanding where everything is coming from is super important and finding different ways to tell your story, whether that is through social, which I don't think is bad, and I don't think having great lights to show your food, if it fits who you are and it fits your brand, I think there's lots of different ways to do it. It's embracing and figuring out how to do that. When 
when do Sue, when does somebody that's thinking about opening a restaurant, when do they like start to talk to somebody about how they're going to take their brand and expose it so that they actually have people come into their restaurant? Yeah, I mean, we tech, we typically try not to work with first time operators because they're figuring out a lot um, and try to work with people who have the capacity to kind of grow upon, um, to execute against what the opportunities that we bring them. Um, Because, you know, once you hire us, we're going to be bringing you event opportunities. We're going to be bringing you um, brand and content opportunities um, and, you know, more commercial opportunities that do require your time and energy. And so um, we find that it's best to work with people who have like a couple of restaurants under their belt um, so that they understand, you know, just like the flow of their business and how to. So do you think it's important for like a first time operator to sort of understand their brand themselves? Or do you think they need to start at a smaller agency and sort of develop? Yeah, I mean... I feel like sometimes I'm always saying things that mean that we won't get more business. But ultimately, <laughs> you guys wa- can still knock on Steve's door. I know, ultimately, we want the best. Help. I mean, and we do turn people away all the time because, like, ultimately, we want the best for them. And it's like if you're if it's your first restaurant, you probably can't really afford PR. And it's like focus on making a good product. Focus on um, having a good clientele who are loyal. Who literally anything thing that you do people you know will come out for um and that that's really the first thing that you should focus on when and and yes you know make friends with people in media and like hopefully um they'll be interested to tell your story but i I don't think it's necessary to hire pr for every single new restaurant interesting Interesting. i would have said the opposite i would interesting i would have thought that it was like same just from some of our previous experience i would have said don't be silly like higher, higher PR. PR 100% and we didn't our first year yeah. in, in ha- our first two years in business literally Alex was like you know stalking FlowFab trying to get covered right, in right. like the front right. burner section of the New York Times and it fucking worked <laughs> it because takes it was a lot like of time and but it's certainly it's, not good at it necessarily yeah but, but that was like Jordan, you're shaking your head do you agree I with I almost feel like <laughs> I almost feel How like feel? The, that means that you guys deserve to be around because you have tenacity <laughs> if you can't figure it out on your first if project you the then like sorry I mean it's like a I mean, half of the job was like, you know, he, you know, half of that job for him was, we were small at the time. It's a different type of business for sure. It's, you know, once you've created a a line of clothing and you've got stuff on the shelf, you've got time to try and sell sell it. But if you're in the kitchen every day trying to create an experience for the locals that are coming in and trying to find the Jordanas of the world, like how. Yeah. What's your thought? How do you do that? I mean, I just think it totally depends on the yeah. project, honestly, and not just the project, but also the market. That's you know, I, I very, think yeah. I think in certain cities where the saturation is so high, you know, and there are certain like stakeholders, like you stocked FlowFab, <laughs> Alex, you know, like there are certain Sorry, people Flo that Fab. like, for better or worse, like it has a meaningful effect on your bottom yeah. line um, and getting butts and seats, so to speak, um, you know you might need that. You might, you might really decide that like, okay, this is like something that we need to find the money for because, um, otherwise like it's just too complicated of a city and too dense of a market for us to really stand out. And, and it's also, I mean, I keep saying this and I feel like it's like very woo woo, but it's like, you have to like know yourself. Like you, not everybody is a great promoter or really, you know, I think that one of the things that always sort of staggers me about chefs, because I spend so much time interviewing them is that, some of their stories are so magnificent, like so special, so staggering, like unbelievable personal stories. And they don't understand that they're amazing. Yeah. Like they don't, they're bad at telling their own stories 
because I mean, come on, that's just like a very, it's not a chef thing. It's like a very human human, thing. It's hard to see ourselves and, and know where we sort of fit into the larger fabric. And some people really get it. They really get how to sort of like take the pieces of, of their story that are going to resonate with the public and put them out there and tell their own story and own it. And maybe they're in a market in which their voice can be heard. And that's, that's fantastic. And maybe they don't need it, but you know, I think it's really important to understand what your goals are as a business and um, and understand whether or not the sort of resources exist within the business for you to get there on your own. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. And that this actually comes up a lot in all the themes of our shows. It's like know what you're good at and dial in on those strengths and go to outside help focus. for, yep. yeah, it's like focus on what you're good at and go to outside help. And it is true. It's like some people are not as great at telling their own story, even though they have an amazing story. Um, but so, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a good segue into like, how do people come to your attention when you are looking for, you know, best new chefs and you are scouting people? Are you like friends recommendations, Instagram porn, like where? Yeah. You know, it it is, uh, quite the calculus, um, (laughs) you know, in some ways, like the answer is simple because like, this is what I do. So I make it my business to know, you know, I, I, there are some chefs, uh, we were talking about one this morning, in fact, who, you know, um, Sue and I, that is, I realize you can't see me, um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I've just been following forever and yeah. waiting for sort of the right thing where I can sort of capture them at the right moment and tell the story that makes sense for that chef. And so, so there are people that I've been literally just like, I've spreadsheets and spreadsheets of people I've been following for years. You might be in one of Jordana's spreadsheets. You, you probably don't are. <laughs> you're probably, and, and it, I mean, I have many spreadsheets. They're not all, they're not all great. So, but, um, but you know, so, so in some ways it's just like my business. I, I'm, I'm paying attention. And if somebody sort of like, you know, is tingling my spidey sense, like down you go. And I'm just like watching. (laughs) Um, but there's a lot of communication as well. You know, I, I, I take a lot of pride in the authorial nature of what I do, but I don't do it alone. Um, you know, and I, I do think that, um, the danger of sort of, um, one person sort of leading it is that it can become very myopic. And so it's important to me to welcome in, you know, a lot of different voices and a lot of different recommendations, not only because, um, of the sort of, um, democratizing of the, the, the data, I guess, but also because, um, I don't live in those cities and I want to know not just like who's sort of rippling, but like, what do they mean to that city and how is it, you know, how are they resonating and, and, um, and so a lot of that is the sort of, um, Vox Populi that I do, uh, when I'm just about to like rev up for yeah. another round, I send your probably you've probably received it, Sue, at some point or another. Um, I send out a call, um, basically like a call for entries to, um, writers in the different cities to everyone who has been a best new chef in the past. Um, oh, so peers, peers, um, some like civilians that I think are very clued in in cities where maybe there's not like a strong sort I like of critical call people not in the food industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. They're not in battle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, just your average citizens. Um, and, uh, and I, and I do a call for entries basically. And I say, you know, who's tripping your radar, who's interesting yeah. right yeah. now to you, who's important, who matters in your city. You know, I get a lot of like ridiculous nominations through that process. Um, like, 
just I can't even like people will nominate like Missy Robbins and it's like okay like she's a she superstar won, like, and 10 years also ago. won like a decade ago but you know so yeah. some of that you gotta people and then a lot of people yeah. nominate you know their staff which you have to sort of filter for um, but I get a lot of great stuff that way and then sure you know like I'm on Instagram just like everybody else and I'm paying attention and there's those people always on Instagram that like tag you and every single photo that they put up and they're like hey I'm in Dallas you're like I like, see you I see you <laughs> like cool like I'll check you out um so don't so don't tag Jordana and no I love it I love it I love it I love it I, I mean I I I I mean but that's talk about being Omni channel it's like people are getting fucking scrappy and they can go yeah. directly to you and they, be like I mean I see it I do see yeah. it and and you know I I don't I don't turn my nose up at anyone's hustle you know I really this is a really really tough business and yeah. if you're you know, if, if your resources allow you to, you know, go through channels like a PR firm, that's going to send me what, you know, I, I'm aware of, um, the ways in which that system doesn't favor everyone. And so if you're trying to reach me and you don't have those channels, like, please like get at me. I want to know, you know, I, I don't only want to know what ends up on the PR list. That's awesome. I mean, that is good to know that it is more democratic that way that people do have a voice. So don't be afraid to tag writers in your photos <laughs> I don't know if I speak from I don't know if I'm like the Pied Piper of all of the so tag Adam Rappaport and Andrew Nolton no, I'm just exactly um, yeah so that's, that's how I find out about stuff and then it's and then stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of menus I read thousands and thousands of menus it's really insane it's really insane I actually so I keep files of all of the menus I, I have but I feel like there's such a trend in menus that's like a one word thing you're like what does that even mean my file of menus. No, I mean like on a menu. Yeah, it like seems I feel like, like it would when be I hard like, to garner that much information on the vibe of the vibe. restaurant. The yeah, feel from of like yeah. eating a menu. Just like sometimes the... I like look at a menu and it's like black bass. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like that restaurant that just doing like yes. that might not be on my A list of places right. to visit. If it's like, I mean, there's a lot of ways in which I'm trying to like fill out the picture, yeah. you know, before I go or after. But there's also some limitations to that. Like I don't, I try not to read the other reviews too much before I go and I try and, you know, I, I want to know the sort of mood uh, surrounding a place. And because I care deeply about like the, the goodness of the people running the places, I want to know a little bit about that, but I don't want to be like overly touched by the, everybody else's sort of sense of it. I don't want to, you know, plagiarize other people's opinions, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, let's take a super quick break to hear from our friends at Bento Box and we'll come back with some more. Joe and Mary Fallon opened Fallon's Barbecue in 1977 in Joe's hometown of historic Thomasville, Georgia. However, after 32 years, Joe and Mary had to close due to health reasons. To continue the legacy of the restaurant, the Fallon son, John, along with his wife, Deanna, moved across the country to Thomasville with a plan to reopen the family restaurant. Two years after closing, Fallon's is back and serving up the same recipes that made them a local destination for decades. Bento Box connected Fallon's Barbecue with people by designing a new website that continues their family's legacy. Fallon's Barbecue is one of 4,000 restaurants that's powered by Bento. Visit getbento.com slash opening soon to learn more. We're Again, we're joined with Sue Chan and Jordana Rothman, and we're chatting about how to get your brand, your you know, your vibe, your business out there in the public so that people are coming into your restaurant. And um, 
I know there's a lot of different channels. We've talked to Omnichannel a few times, but um, you know the standard ones or you know the leading ones are you know traditional publications online or or in print. There's you know social media now. There's other ways to sue, and I know Sue. If you didn't already know this, Sue works with us at Tillit, so we really love what she's done, and 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 they really think outside the box when it comes on how to you know get your brand noticed. What are some of those other methods that you think are interesting? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even we were talking about this earlier, but even you guys doing this podcast um, really helps, you know, tell your story, whether or not that was like the intent in doing this. But I think you guys genuinely just wanted to create a resource for people in the industry. And no, that if you is didn't what hear you the intro, are. we were terrible restaurants. <laughs> oh, right, right, exactly. We really need the answer. Right, right. That is true. Yeah, so. that is true. No, but we did. I mean, it is. It's true. We felt like there wasn't a resource. Yeah. So it really yeah. isn't. Again, yeah. But go ahead. Go ahead Sorry go ahead. to yeah. um, But just by you doing this, it's showing people, like, this is what you guys are about. And I think um, whether that's, you know, you as a restaurant doing an event series or doing a partnership or um, doing collaboration, um, just anything you can do to help tell your story is what's going to get the message out there. So it's not just about... Um, the media platforms or your own platforms, but just other people's platforms as well. And, um, kind of collaborating with like-minded people to help tell your story, I think is helpful. I feel like sharing your story outside of what you're doing in the kitchen is also yeah. becoming, um, more enticing, I think to the, to the public of seeing, you know, you know, not just seeing what, um, James Ken is putting on the plate, but seeing what he does in his spare time, whether it's, uh, exercising or those kind of things I think are becoming more and more popular. Is that something you see? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's important though to um, be genuine, right? And not yeah. just do it because you're like trying to get more social media followers. And it's like, is that genuinely what you're all about? And I, I know that the most passionate people out there, um, like everything that they do kind of exudes what they're passionate about. And um, but then it's super genuine as well. So, so yeah, so it's like showing about, it, it's, it's about, I mean, I guess there is also oversharing too, which <laughs> is a problem, um, with social media, but you know, I, yeah. Jordana, you're shaking your head. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, am I, I didn't even No, you're feel. like nodding <laughs> like, yes, in a good way. Uh, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, on the one hand, um, I guess I'll back up and say there's like one person in our business who, before I reveal the best new chefs internally, I talk to them um, in utter confidence and sort of go through it uh, because I trust this person's opinion so implicitly. And it's it's just a super secret. But I like go through and I'm like, OK, like these are the people. And when we were chatting this year. Uh, I was going through and talking about the people. And at the end, this person said to me, the last thing you talked about with each of these people was their food. And, um, and I really noticed that and really mm -hmm. felt that that was like, wow, like that's a, that's a really profound shift. I think for many years, the idea is like the eyes on the plate the only matters what's on the plate. And like, look, we're not in a world in which that's okay anymore. And I think the most profound shift that's happened over the last 10 years is that we genuinely, all of us as a community genuinely care who you are as a person, not just because, we're sort of, you know, we, yeah. we're, we're sweet and want to know who you are, but, um, because we need you to not be a monster and, <laughs> yeah. um, because, well, we, we want to know where, where things uh, are coming from. Exactly. Right. And so, and so that shift to what you're talking about, Alex, you know, the sort of idea of like sharing your story and ex what your day off or your whatever, like, you know, that 
plays into um, the creation of that larger sense of, okay, this is how this person shows up in the world and, you know, why their business is something that I can feel good about supporting. That being said, you know, I, I want, I don't want chefs or operators to ever feel like in order to be successful, everybody has to be welcomed into your bedroom. It's just, (laughs) there's, there's a real, there's a real line. And I, I really feel for, because, you know, this profession is something that also like attracts, you know, back of house, private people who aren't, didn't necessarily sign up to be these kinds of figures. And I really, um, and I really think it would be a shame if our business valued that sort of like personalness, that intimacy so much that there wasn't room for another kind of creative soul who is a sort of quieter figure it's true because there are there is like this dichotomy and there's like the creative people who just want to keep to themselves and be like creative and do and create and then there's the people who are like i'm a mad genius and this is my world and i have it laid bare for you all to see yeah yeah so it's like how do you like reward both kinds it's Mm -hmm. tough yeah it's really it's really tough i guess i just say it because you know the sort of performance of one's life is a bit of an epidemic and I really, and, um, and I'm guilty of it myself, of course. And I, and I, um, you know, I just want there to be room for, um, for people to do it different ways and for people to protect the things that are intimate and private. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. So you don't have to share it all. Yeah. <laughs> the moral of the story is people want to know who's behind the brand. It's great to be like, and it's good for brands to be able to connect with their diners, but you don't have to feel like you have and to keep it genuine. Bear. Yeah. And I right. think authenticity is the most important thing too. Like if it's outside your comfort for zone, sure. don't do it. And there's all sorts of different um, definitions of success and to not just focus on what other people have and you know number count and all that I mean I think that's where the social media game gets really challenging is because you're like yeah you people it's so easy to like look at somebody's feed and it's the best version of themselves and then you're comparing and it's like the best version of what the restaurant currently is but you know everybody has their struggles so that's okay too so we talked a lot about like you know how things have changed I think um it's clear like social media like thinking about your brand in this more holistic way, how people get to you has changed over the past few years. So where do you see things going over the next three to five? Like where should people be dialing in and focusing and Ooh. Ooh, uh, <laughs> there's heavy no size, no pressure. I mean, I don't know that this is necessarily about sort of messaging, but you know, one thing that I'm definitely seeing is, um, Restaurants that are um, sort of very narrowly focused, um, that are really, uh, that do like one thing or a handful of things extraordinarily well. Um, I think that is, there's a deep satisfaction to that. Like the thing that comes to mind is Kombi in LA, which of course is like a huge sensation and um, for their Japanese sandos and um, South Philly barbacoa. South Philly barbacoa, exactly. And I think that, there's something really to that because of, you know, a, a unnuanced read would be like, it's, oh, it's, it's simple and easy and whatever, but it's deeply not. It's like yeah. this incredibly technique driven, um, super, super dialed in sort of, you know, um, manically engineered, um, detail oriented thing, but it's all of that sort of skill and thought and process sort of concentrated on this one thing. And I think, I think we'll probably see some more of that. Um, I hope we do. I, I, I like really that. find it. I, mean, I, I feel like too. menus were traditionally built to have like 
an eight person party come and everyone's happy. I kind of like, you know, fuck these other six people. Let's eat like, <laughs> a really good egg sandwich, right? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's almost a reaction to the internet, though, because, you know, we live in a time where you can literally Google how to open up a restaurant. And so every Joe Schmo can. Can you up. Google that? You can Google that. This is why we're and here. You can Google that. Know, we didn't know you could Google yeah. that. <laughs> um, but, and you can Google that. And you can hire the right designers. You can hire the right publicity team. You can hire the right beverage consultant. Um, but what you can't hire is someone's like deep understanding of a certain cuisine. And I think that those concepts, like they have a real understanding of that cuisine and a a deep one too. So, um, that you can't make up on the internet, you know? And I think people value that. I I mean, noodle bar was kind of that, right? When when they started for, it was like really honed in. There there couldn't have been more than four or five. It was the the bun and and like two or three noodles, right? Three ramens. Yeah. 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 100%. 100%. Um, I think that, and I, I think also back to what I was saying about being a good operator, like that's going to become more and more important because we live in a time when the life cycle of a trend is so fast. And so it's so difficult to rely strictly on trends or to build a business around a trend. And it's really about longevity right now. And, um, I think longevity comes from just understanding your business and, um, you know, understanding the numbers, understanding, um, all of that is going to make you last for 10, 20, 40 years. Yeah. yeah. I feel like sustainability is kind of a big one. Do you yeah, feel like those sure. will, are you seeing that Jordana? And well, on the sort of business perspective, I do think that, um, thinking about a restaurant, a food business, I guess I'll say as a, as a business first, instead yeah. of thinking about it as a, as a sort of creative enterprise first is, very important for obviously for, uh, sustainability. And I think that, um, you know, if you sort of work backwards from that point, like we want this to be a business that has longevity, that can support this staff that can pay a living wage that can, you know, um, and, and that can last, it, it becomes less about a sort of flash in the pan project and more about, um, you know, like sort of laying roots in a meaningful way. And once you really understand those numbers, that sort of dictates what you can do. And I think, you know, that obviously makes a lot of sense when we're talking about like the sort of single subject restaurant, you know, this is our lane and we're going to do it exceptionally well and it's going to last because we've actually played this out already. That was like my biggest, if you guys, if our listeners haven't listened to the Russ and Daughters episode, that was like we aired two weeks ago. <laughs> that, but no, seriously, because they, Nikki and Josh talked a lot about what it means to be a 105 year old restaurant and like really going back and focusing. And it was like so interesting because Nikki has like my favorite quote of the season, which is, um, she's like, we're Russ and Daughters. We do things for a hundred years, not 10 years. And I don't mm-hmm. think about things like that, which mm-hmm. is like an incredible way to think, especially because we're so like VC funded, this and mm-hmm. this and that. When mm-hmm. you look at like popular media culture and what people are talking about in the business landscape and people aren't really talking about how do I build things sustainably for the long term. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a really good point. That's not only focus about it for brand, but for what it means for your business operations yeah. and what it means for your employees and what it means for how much waste you're, you know, outputting and all that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Should we move on a yeah. lightning round? <laughs> lightning uh, round. Mix it up a little bit. Yeah. These can be word, one word <laughs> answers. doesn't have to be, you can elaborate. Uh, first one can be for both of you. Favorite thing about telling a chef or a restaurant story? Listening. <laughs> Favorite thing? I mean, just hearing all sorts of different perspectives, um, especially since I think we're a lot more open these days to different perspectives. And I, I've learned so much in the last couple of years. Yeah. 
Cool. Uh, favorite thing to eat right now? I think we already know yours, Jordana. Mine is a vanilla custard oh, cone dipped in peanut butter from uh, Mickey Igloos and Socrates. That was so Whoa. specific. <laughs> now we know where we're going next weekend. Mickey um, Igloos. Okay. Favorite thing. Um, Cacio Pepe from Asodi. That's okay. so good. Yeah. Mm. Longevity. <laughs> longevity. Yeah, talk about longevity. That's so true. Yeah. What about what what do you think is the most exciting food city right now? Nationally or internationally? It could be just in general. I think London. 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 Wow. I mean, I'm a food writer, so I guess I'm contractually obligated to say <laughs> Los Angeles, but um, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll go right. with that. I, every city has something to offer. I can't. I can't. Jordana's <laughs> pleading the fifth. Socrates. <laughs> Socrates, yeah, New York, right. for that's those right. who are going upstate. Um, what about the dining trend you're sick of seeing? Talking about dining trends. <laughs> <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Unanimous decision in the booth. Yeah. No more talking about dining <laughs> trends. What are you most excited about for the future? I um, am so psyched right now because of Kwame Anwachi, who was a Best New Chef this year. And if you read on Variety yesterday. I saw the movie, right? um, He's doing a film about his book. Is with that? A24. With yeah. A24 and Lakeith. And that is, I mean, it's obviously I'm fully obsessed with Kwame in every single way. <laughs> I mean, I just like adore him top to bottom. But um, that is completely unprecedented in our business. That level of stepping into a mainstream narrative in this way it, it, it doesn't exist. I mean, I guess the closest thing would be like Eddie with Fresh Off the Boat, but that's not really even his chef story. It's more, yeah, it's you know, more like, right. his, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is so exciting. And the fact that it's Kwame and the story that he has to tell and the impact that it's going to have on the people who view it and who are inspired by it is so profound. It's so important. I am, will weep talking about it she's basically <laughs> tearing up right now <laughs> it's so true because it's yeah. like there was the front of house book that's what's her name stephanie yeah sweet bitter sweet bitter mm -hmm. right but there hasn't been like a true yeah. chef story and i think this is just the beginning and that's, i'm gonna dovetail off of what you said it's that the thing i'm excited about is how that's just the beginning and that we're gonna start seeing more and more examples of that yeah of how food's entering into mainstream culture which is really exciting for me yeah yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, I think that was to your point is that it's like very cross-sectional now and it's like, you don't, it's not just food or media or art, but there's this whole cross-section that's happening where people are discovering. Omni-channel. Yeah. Omni-channel. <laughs> Thanks to my MBA. We all have a new vocabulary word. Yes. What do we want to see more of in 2020's dining scene? I want to see more female restaurateurs. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we see female chefs now and have, you know, they've obviously always existed, but not so many female restaurants. More people starting restaurants. Yeah, like restaurant groups, yeah. right? There aren't that many. Yeah, I mean, a few come to mind, but or, but I do think that, yeah, women and in meaningful leadership positions that weren't just put there to be human shields for problematic men would be great in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah. So ladies, start your business. There's a lot of resources too for women who are starting businesses. There's a lot, you have more access to small business loans, which I don't think that normally in the restaurant industry you do have. So there's definitely a lot of benefits and there's a lot of um, women in the industry who invest directly and there's a lot of investors who are looking for that. So don't be scared. You'll get the money. 
Um, what about the biggest mistake you see chefs and restaurants making on social media or with their, their brand presence? Oversharing. The, uh, yeah, the What's that? that? <laughs> Oversharing, right? <laughs> Reading the comments or like oh, engaging, yeah. engaging uh, too much with the arguing, with the, with arguing yeah. yeah. What I, do you think about people like arguing with their review? Do you think that's wrong or? Oh, it's so not, it's so not for me to say. I, I mean, I've, I've gotten just... like my share of, of, um, hate mail <laughs> <laughs> over the years, but, um, you know, I, listen, if you feel like somebody has gotten your story like profoundly wrong, then, you know, that's the sort of that's the democracy of communication. Like you can yeah, you can fight that battle. But to... I would I would I would take a minute to just sort of <laughs> take a beat to decide whether that battle is actually in the, the best, in the, in the best yeah. service of of your business. But yeah, I know it's so hard not to like focus on haters, but everybody has trolls and sometimes you just got to move on well people rarely leave comments when they're have had a delightful experience <laughs> unfortunately so i think so more people true. need to leave like good comments to like, kind of balance it out yeah um last question biggest oh shit moment or biggest oh wow that has happened in your career <laughs> to choose just one huh um good or bad it can be good or bad yeah however you interpret it Gosh. I mean, it's just, it's such a, we're staring at each other, Sue and I, because I think we both have some We've oh shit moments. so that, much. I mean, yeah. the industry has been kind of really incredible and exciting, I think, in the past. I mean, I haven't been in the industry for, I guess I've been in the industry for more than 10 years, but just in the last, like, 10 to 15 years, there's actually a book coming out written by my friend Kevin Alexander called Burn the Ice um, about the food revolution that we just lived through. And he documents, like, everything that's been happening and just how food is just so important now and so prolific and the standard of food um, has just risen across the board and you know your average neighborhood restaurant is just that much better Starbucks is sol- serving cold brew and single origin coffee and I, I don't know it's just been a really exciting time being in food and I feel like it's moved really fast so there's been so many oh yeah. shit moments yeah for, for me the one that comes to mind is actually um it, it, it to sort of in that lane um, I visited my mom and dad uh, and my very small sleepy hometown um, and there was like a craft cocktail bar there and, I, <laughs> and and that was like a real like wow and they had good cocktails I mean listen like, <laughs> I it's, it. it's a yeah it's a bit of a spectrum but it was impre- but it, I ultimately felt like wow this is a win because yeah. you know the fact that this has trickled into these spaces means that people are paying more attention and that the the, the quality has really risen. Um, That's what it's about. It's like bringing better product to everybody across the country, which, yeah, which, yeah. Is, a, which is a win for sure. Yeah. We both found like very sort of light touch oh shit moments that yeah. don't that very much <laughs> okay. the actual oh shit moments that yeah. all of us have experienced right. over the last we'll, couple we'll of years. We'll I mean, talk offline. That's a whole other show. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we're gonna we like to since the show is called Opening Soon, we like to take a moment to shout out restaurants that are in fact going through opening soon. So anybody coming to mind or could have just opened. Yeah, uh, so the Franchette guys are taking over Laveau d'Or, which I think is cool as hell. I think that is super, super cool. I've not heard about that. I've not heard about that either. Yeah, I think it just came out today. Um, To me, that is just like utter perfection, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm super excited to see what they do there. So that, yeah. Cool. And then I will also say um, it's already out there, but if you haven't read 
Elena Reagan's book, Burn the Place, um, which is like happening. Right, I would take a minute with it. It's like one of the more interesting, poetic food memoirs that I've ever read. And I'm really enjoying it right now. So, yeah, do it. Elena Reagan's Burn the Place. Got it. Well, this is really top of mind because I was just there this past weekend. But um, if any of you guys are wondering where Gerardo Gonzalez has been, he is in the Cayman Islands working on a really (laughs) incredible project. Um, that'll Lucky be opening human. this fall. Uh, yeah, um, that really actually encompasses a lot of what we talked about today. Um, and really, Gerardo was the chef at Lalito, which he got great acclaim for when he exactly. was there. Exactly, and El yep. Rey, um, which he made El a Rey. neighborhood institution. R.I.P. Yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, but he's doing some really interesting things with local Caribbean products. Um, and Is there a name cultures. for this one? Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to say it, but okay. um, it should be launching soon. Yeah. And then also people's um, Jeremiah Stone and Fabian Von Hosk of Contra and Wild Air are in the wine store uh, this fall. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because they keep on asking us about uniforms and then they keep on not showing up to their meetings. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we're excited to have a wine store in the um, Essex market. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's some other good stuff in there as well. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, next week, tune in as we chat about getting butts in seats through your digital presence. Uh, we'll, we'll be chatting with Crystal Mabieni of Bento Box and Michael Chernow of the Meatball Shop and Seymour's. Special thanks again to Sue and Jordana for being here. Uh, if you left your notebook out in the rain, we've got your back. You can check our blog on tilletnyc.com to catch our wrap-up of key points from the show this week. Where can we find you guys? On social? On social, internet, the interwebs. Um, at Care of Chan. And personally, and personally, oh, you don't have at to. Super Chan. Cell phone number. Just my name at Jordana Rothman across the board. Across the cool. board. Cool. Thanks, cool. guys. Follow the journey on Heritage Radio. <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at We Are Opening Soon and at Till at MIC. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank guys. you. Thank, Thank you for you. coming. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.